Welcome back, everyone, to the second season of the Rock and Ramble podcast. You are here with your hosts, Andrea and Victoria. And we're back after a couple month hiatus of hanging out and taking our kids back to school. Um, I think we have all, yeah, all five of our kids are in school now, right? Yeah. Saying five out loud for the two of us sounds crazy. Seems like a boatload of kids, but I guess that's pretty (laughs) average. But it sounds like a lot. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, season two. I'm so excited. We are so excited about season two. We, I don't know if we initially planned on having seasons, but it just seemed really appropriate. And the timing was perfect uh, with Mm -hmm. getting the kids back in school and all that that has to entail. Um, Taking a little, a few weeks off and getting that taken care of and ending with Janis Joplin. I mean, I mean, sure. That was yeah. pretty good. If we have to have an epic close that, I mean, that'll do, you know, that, that was good. Um, hopefully you guys, uh, liked that. And if you didn't listen to season one, go check it out. We have some really awesome bands, uh, about 20 episodes there, plus a bonus episode for y'all to listen to. And we're starting season two off with a big old bang, we are finally covering Led Zeppelin. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> if I could imitate a, like a cool guitar riff, I would have done it right there. So just know that right there was a great opportunity that I did not take. <laughs> yeah, I can't do any of that. Some of the things that he does with the guitar, I'm like, I mean, well, it's we'll get into it, but hearing like Robert Plant play mm-hmm. off of the the guitar where he like obviously we sound. can't yeah yeah just one of the many reasons to love led zeppelin's music and just their incredible talent and huge huge legends um still today even though they're not technically together anymore um yeah we should invest in like an auto-tune like feature or machine or I don't know how that works but so that we can sing and it'll just adjust to make it sound nice you know yeah. I don't care I don't we care can do that super adjusted <laughs> and not real ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh yeah maybe we can uh, do that maybe season three <laughs> we'll season start. three is just gonna have the most amazing vocals it's gonna be unreal every ready, every note y'all. is gonna be correct <laughs> we're just gonna sing it out yeah instead of uh saying the stuff <laughs> let's start off though with talking about okay so uh, it's like how do you even start and also i don't know if you ran across this um but there is no like licensed led zeppelin documentary yeah really. no yeah, I think so. The, the one that they're trying to do, they're like still looking yeah. for someone to distribute it. So, I wa- yes. I tried watching a version, it's still for sale, a different one, and is it mm-hmm. like Ada Zeppelin? I think is the one I w- started watching. Oh, but yeah, I watched um, that. The audio wasn't great on my end, and I no. tried on my phone. I tried on the computer, and I was like, "What are they saying?" And I was like, just struggling through it, and I was like, "I don't think this is worth it because I think I have the same information without the documentary." Right. So I was like, Meh. so the only thing that I found was the song remains the same, which mm-hmm. is like their mm-hmm. documentary. Weird AF. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch it? I saw like, it when we first ended season one, so a while ago, okay. and it was at night yeah. or like when I was sleepy. So <laughs> I was like, okay, what's going on? I feel lost. It but. is like this hugely like drama. It's not a documentary. Mm-hmm. It's basically just like huge dramatizations like that don't link together in any way whatsoever you have like mob gangster stuff going on in the beginning and then each of the members of the band has like their own like during their solo they have like their own like flashback or like montage if you will Mm -hmm. they're all freaking weird (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have nothing to do with each other or the band but the the whole thing is just like the band performing live which was really cool to see mm-hmm. um but there's no 
I was hoping for some sort of like documentary or book or something that I could, you know, read to get like facts about yeah. the band. And there's nothing licensed. There's the Hammer of the Gods book, mm-hmm. which I didn't even read because no, I, I I know you and I had mentioned it briefly or like talked about it briefly. Yeah. No. No. The guy who wrote that like only toured with them like for a few months or something in 1975 I think and the Zeppelin guys they're like we don't even know who that is <laughs> like that the author and they're like his information is like it was like misconstrued it's like a huge dramatization of how it really was and so I was like okay well I don't want to get into the he said she said type well that's kind of like the beauty of the licensing then i guess right because then they could just be yeah. like oh i don't like that they version, narrate it and so mm-hmm. we're not going to say it's the official one because then it's going to just sound exactly like, you know it was really hard to find information about the band i watched a lot of interviews mm-hmm. a lot of interviews of them when they were younger and when they got older and they do contradict themselves and they do <laughs> like they're just all over the place but musically impeccable legends can't really top it yeah that's how i feel that's my opinion (laughs) yeah once you get into like like, the details and i mean we're gonna talk about this but like there's some things that i found out that i was like oh cool that is not a great role model or like not that they were like aspiring (laughs) to be role models but also like Oh, Some of yeah. the bands that we've already covered, the more we found out, we're like, damn it. Like, no, you had such potential to, like, stay great in my head. <laughs> no, the yeah, more I've learned, I'm like, not... I mean, I still love Led Zeppelin, but there's definitely some shadier shit that I was not excited to find out. Yeah, I definitely had to um, realize that, like, okay, Led Zeppelin the band versus Led Zeppelin the people, mm-hmm. <laughs> the band members, just really separating those two. Mm-hmm. Because Led Zeppelin the band, amazing. Led Zeppelin the people, not so great. <laughs> Made some really poor decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll get into that. And before we do, let's just start with who who is Led Zeppelin. So you have frontman. Uh, Robert Plant, he is the mm-hmm. singer. You have Jimmy Page on lead guitar and uh, John Bonham on the drums and mm-hmm. then John, John Paul Jones on bass guitar. Which is and not his real all... name. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so John Paul Jones is just a stage name. He was born John Richard Baldwin. Um, and then he started going by John Paul Jones when he was doing like session work. Um, I will say, as far as, like, stage names, so if his name was John Richard Baldwin, John Paul Jones mm-hmm. does have, like, a cool little, like, rhythm to it as a name, but it's not what you would yeah. expect as a stage name. Like, it's not like a, you know, Nikki Six or Sting or kind of stage name. It's, like, still pretty average names, like John Paul Jones. Yeah. And yeah, it's well, funny they, that that's a stage name. Yeah, he got it from, like, a French film. Um, it was, like, a... I don't remember the name of the film, but I remember um, seeing that he got it. Um, he chose to go by John Paul Jones because of a French film that he had seen. Um, it was like a 1959 French film or something. So that's mm. where he had gotten that from. And I was like, oh, that, that works. But he, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, these guys, incredibly, incredibly talented musicians. And this is something that is um, something that I really appreciated and liked about the Marshall Tucker Band is that those guys, they were incredibly talented and like really well put together, but they were friends. Like they were childhood friends Mm -hmm. and they just all grew up like being perfect for that band, right? And so with, with Led Zeppelin, the thing about this is that this was kind of like Jimmy Page's mm-hmm. baby, if you will. Right. Because, and so let's just kind of dive into that. So Jimmy Page was in the Yardbirds, right? Yeah. Um, and they started out, um, what was it, like 
Jeff Beck, Eric, Eric Clapton. Clapton. Again, I yeah. think it comes up like every other episode. I cannot wait till we get to the Eric Clapton and Cream. Like <sighs> he is our... an incredibly influential artist. He Eric is, Clapton. but like, what's so crazy to me people. is, I guess in my head, my you know prior understanding, I didn't realize like age wise he's must be as old as all these other bands that I mm-hmm. never would have realized like he's just oh, he's that an good. influence for like these older older bands because he doesn't see i don't age him that much in my own head i not that mm-hmm. i think he's recent by any means but i've always like chronologically i guess placed him after a lot of these like huge bands i, I like more in like the late 70s and stuff yeah i guess so because like what i can't i'm trying to think mm-hmm. of like the other ones that we've talked about where they're like oh clapton clapton is like you know who they kept you know playing his songs and all this stuff i'm like wow that's crazy like he's old enough and it's been playing long enough and well enough for all these like mm-hmm. huge bands to be using him as a reference and an influence and i guess just before this you know these episodes this podcast i didn't realize like you know age-wise that he fell that far back anyway yeah no <laughs> i agree with that that's it was it it was funny to to see because I don't think Jimmy Page, he wasn't in Yardbirds with Eric Clapton, right? He came. Yeah, uh, I think that. Like he succeeded. Him. Yeah, I think it was just like afterwards. It's like one of those yeah. bands that I'm, from my understanding, it kind of like has people rotating throughout. I mean, not right, on purpose, right, right. but lots of people have kind of gone through. Just kind of they go do their own yeah. thing. Yeah. Because that's so, when they had um, members leaving, but they still had tour dates scheduled. So they just like yes. put new people in, which happened to yeah. be. Robert Plant, right. John Bonham, and John Paul Jones. Yeah, because so they had the Yardbirds, exactly what you said. They were, they kind of disbanded mm-hmm. and then, but they still had tour dates that they were obligated to. And so they told Jimmy Page, they're like, hey, if you want to continue, you can using the Yardbirds name, but not with us. Like, you're going to have to find other. And I think there was one guy, um, I can't remember his name, something Dreja or mm-hmm. Dre. Um, I think he might have played for a while with them. But yeah, so John Paul Jones, he reached out to Jimmy and he was like, hey, heard you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, I know a good bass player. <laughs> and yeah. so he joined in and then he's like, I really I know this um, this singer that's really good. And so he sent Jimmy to see Robert Plant and Robert Plant, I think, was playing with John Bonham at that time, or Robert Plant was like, hey, Bonham is a really good Mm -hmm. drum player. So that's, they got together, they finished out those tour dates um, as like a precursor to Led Zeppelin. Yeah. As they called themselves like the New Yardbirds. Yeah. But I think it's kind of funny that they were sent, like, so as they're touring as the New New Yardbirds and like finishing out, you know, the work that, the Yardbirds were supposed to be doing, there are then mm-hmm. sent a cease and desist letter saying like, oh, you yes. can finish for us, but do not create more music for us, which is, I mean, understandable, that- <laughs> but it's also funny to be like, finish my job, but don't you dare continue. Don't you dare that do was, more under us. <laughs> that cease and desist letter was from the Dreja Dre guy. Dave, mm-hmm. I can't I, I know what your last name. Who you're yeah. referring to, but. Um, yeah, that was yeah. funny. Uh, and so that's why they were like, okay, well, let's flip this. Do and our own thing. It was... Yeah, so Keith Moon and John mm-hmm. Entwistle of The Who, um, I guess they were going to start a super group with Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page but um, mm-hmm. yeah, and they were going to have like this huge super group, but John Entwistle, he was like, it's going to go down like a Led Zeppelin, meaning that like it would bomb. Like a lead balloon, yeah. He said, yeah, like, like a lead, lead balloon. balloon. Yeah. And I love that because, I mean, obviously that's like pretty iconic imagery for Led Zeppelin is like the Zeppelin but I like the way it started I like finding out those things like oh it was started out as like a that's not gonna work like and then yeah like someone latches onto it and is like hey but let's turn it into this that super group idea had happened like years before the the new yardbirds the Zeppelin guys even like got together Mm -hmm. right yeah and then Jimmy Page was just like oh yeah I remember and then like it stuck so they yeah, they yeah. called themselves Led Zeppelin, but L-E-D instead of L-E-A-D because he didn't want people to pronounce it like Lead Zeppelin. Lead Zeppelin, yeah. 
And yeah. oh, yeah. going back to like Robert Plant being chosen as a singer, I thought it was mm-hmm. so funny that he's like the second choice for the lead singer because the first choice was yeah. Terry Reid, who also yes. turned down Deep Purple's offer, just like two of our previous episodes, David Coverdale from Whitesnake and Paul Rogers mm-hmm. from Bad Company. Like how many times, yeah. not only is Eric Clapton coming up a lot as an influence, how many more people were like considered to be the lead singer of Deep Purple? Like out of all the ones we've chosen, I know, right? there, how many other well, and what's really cover like that? If I said the name to you, Terry Reed, would you know who I was talking about? No. No, I wouldn't. No. Yeah. No, and <laughs> But I say Robert Plant, and you're like, Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so funny. it's like, well, I hope, you know, I don't I don't know what happened to Terry Reed. I'm sure that he went on to be successful, but yeah. not to the... And who's to say, like, that Zeppelin would even have been as huge and influential had it been him instead yeah. of Robert Plant, you know? Because yeah, if it's, it's it would have been to, Terry Reed, they wouldn't have gotten Bonham. Yeah, it would. It's really hard to imagine like any of those things because I think we've done some like you know pretend scenarios like that. Like, oh, imagine this person, but it's like you can't predict the chemistry, you can't predict the songwriting, right. the like stage presence. You can't. You just like insert a voice and be like, oh, right. this person would have been better because I've obviously, I'm sure many people know you can't just like replace someone and. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same. That's why so many bands don't work after something like that. But I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. But. Yeah. And with um, with Led Zeppelin, like so many of their, like even their, their live shows were so different than the recorded mm-hmm. albums because of like the improv. Like mm-hmm. they just kind of jammed and did whatever they wanted to. Like it was still the same song. But it didn't sound like the guitar licks, the yeah. solos, that stuff. The Even the words that mm-hmm. Robert Plant sang were not, like, to the T of what the albums were. Um, yeah. And th- that is just, like, incredible to me because, like, you already came up with one massive thing and then you're, like, here. Can just, like, riff off. And yeah. Make it wonderful Doing still. it. <laughs> still better yeah i'm like geez how much creativity can fit into one person <laughs> yeah well i always think that's or one cool group. like they i mean obviously we haven't i haven't seen anyone that i could really realistically compare to like going to a led zeppelin concert but right. concerts we do go to or that i have been to when it changes mm-hmm. from like the album version that i'm used to it's like exciting like oh yeah. what's what what are we gonna do here and it's cool to think that that was such a big deal for them to do that like you know at most concerts and then it just goes on longer and it's yeah. like oh at the you know houston show he did this or at the, this show they might have done this yeah. and it's cool to think that it's like a, a one-off experience um and i mean maybe down the line i'm sure some things get repeated as far as like you know sure they're like oh i really like, like that <laughs> yeah and <laughs> do that again i just yeah. think that's really cool to be like at my show this happened and at this person's show that happened at, but that also probably would create like a damn I wish I would have been at the you know New York show or the LA show where they did whatever Mm -hmm. it is but I think that's really cool um yeah oh and something yeah so I'm gonna bring this up right now because it's gonna tie in later to the one hit wonder for part one um so a zeppelin is a cylindrical airship and it was invented by a German general and inventor um Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin that's the name um (laughs) And oh, something I thought was kind of funny was a descendant of his wanted to like ban them from TV appearances because of the name. And they actually temporarily changed their name in 1970 on just the Scandinavian leg of their tour to The Knobs, Uh which I I don't know how we got there. But yeah. Yeah. I saw an interview. Mm -hmm. I saw an interview with them and I don't know if it was like this like television appearance that they did in like 1969 I think like a Swedish television mm-hmm. t- show or something but I think it was that one where there the woman was like oh like I love that you used our name the Zeppelin name mm-hmm. da, da, da. and like she was so happy about it until she saw the album cover with the burning Zeppelin mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. and she was like what? doesn't want to no, be associated da, da, da. anymore yeah. yeah didn't want to be and so that's why they were like saying that they had to change i didn't know that they actually did change into the knobs that's funny (laughs) um but yeah they were like right up until like they went on 
live TV. Yeah. And I think, but. like, that's it's interesting that they have that, like, um, you know, TV little anecdote because they did not really want to do TV performances no. to market themselves. Like, they didn't. They're single. As well-known as they are, they mm-hmm. never top yeah. charts with the number one. And the closest song nope. was Whole Lot of Love, which got to number four. But they... So as we know, sometimes songs are like edited and released to radio and of course drama with the label, but it happened without their permission with Whole Lot yeah. of Love. And the reason they, they didn't want to be on Yeah. The reason they didn't want to be on the on TV or marketed to TV was because they didn't want to be at the mercy of like sound engineers recording their right. like you know, their live performances because what you can deliver live might not always translate to the screen and that's not their responsibility at that part like they can only you know perform mm-hmm. a great live concert they have no control over like ooh, how good of a quality or how good is the person mm-hmm. controlling those things and so they wanted to be known more for their live performances than worrying about yeah. like how are they going to perform on the radio and at that time i mean still i guess but especially then like tv performances probably could have really brought in their like scope of audience or their audience um and so I think that's interesting, but I just think it's funny, like, oh, another band getting, you know, something done behind their back by their label, and mm-hmm. that's, like, tale as old as time now that we've on, like, episode 21 over here. Yeah, and that's, to to go off of that, so Peter Grant was their manager, mm-hmm. and he was, like, this big guy, everybody was, like, you didn't want to cross him, like, he was a scary dude if he was mad at you but he really changed the balance from promoters of bands um and he worked really hard to make sure that zeppelin was not getting ripped off um Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that like like with them not releasing singles and stuff he was like well if you want to hear that song buy the album like yeah you can't just buy a single buy the whole album and listen to the whole album Mm -hmm. and then you'll like that and same with like doing like I think it was like for um all through the 70s they didn't do any tv um any kind of tv tv promotions or anything like you're saying Mm -hmm. um and like we said before there's like no real documentaries on them there's no like behind the scenes or behind Mm -hmm. the music Led Zeppelin you know yeah um you just kind of have to like really scavenge for for the information and hope that you know we're not getting like hearsay because a lot of it is but that's why I was going to like multiple sources um reading interviews listening to their interviews watching like people who are with them, like the groupies and stuff, they -hmm. all have their own versions of, of how it was and and what happened. But then there's like the, the actual like facts. Yeah. Um, So we'll get into that. And one more thing that I wanted to say before we move on is that when, um, when Jimmy was in the Yardbirds before the other guys even joined and they were the new Yardbirds, they used to play Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not like a, a well <laughs> I say a Led Zeppelin original there's <laughs> we'll see in a minute that there's not a whole lot of Too Led Zeppelin many originals of those. that we thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute but yeah that one they played um, with the Yardbirds and even that one was like um, from like a blues yeah. song like back and I don't even know who did that but um, that's where you get into like credits and like it's a whole mess yeah of of stuff but so Jake yeah, Holmes so was they, the one who was like the dazed and confused like I guess a, a originator oh, okay. or like you know had the now it has the credits um, on the live album as inspired by Jake Holmes but it was not originally there but right well and you'll see that with like um, like babe I'm gonna leave you mm-hmm. on so that was on their yeah. debut album, Led Zeppelin One. Mm-hmm. Um, that "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You" is probably my top love Led Zeppelin song. song. Yeah, and that and "Days Confused." I love "Days and Confused" too. Um, but 
Have you listened to the Joan Baez yeah. version? After this oh, it's so bad. research. Yeah, compared, I can't I can't compare. Also because like whatever you might have what I whatever my initial thoughts might have been, I cannot mm-hmm. separate it from the Love Zeppelin version. Like no. that I adore. Yeah, it's, so I can't I don't want to say this. the Joan Baez was not great. <laughs> uh it, it wasn't my favorite. Uh it was definitely like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I was. I'll, I'll I, say I, I like Robert really... Plant's take on it. <laughs> yes, I really liked. His yeah, I was. I was not expecting to hear that yeah. song in that way. But it was written by um, Anne. What was her name? Anne Bond. Oh. Did I? I thought I had written that down. But they were like huge Joan Baez fans mm-hmm. uh, or Baez fans. And so they took that inspiration. But she had credited it as like a traditional song mm-hmm. on her album, which meant that like there was no known. It was just kind of um, like the public artist domain. To yeah, extent, exactly. Right? Like and so that's what they did. It, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. They credited it. They did like traditional, but like arranged by Jimmy Page or whatever it was. And then um, like 10 years later, this Anne, uh, I'm blanking on her name, but she came up and she was like, whoa, that's that's my song. (laughs) And then like you'll notice that on um, the first album, um, Robert Plant doesn't get lyric credits. Mm-hmm. on that first album but that was like a technicality because he was still like obliged or obligated to a different record company right it was like a, a conflict of interest or something mm-hmm. so they just kept his name off of it is mm-hmm. that right yeah. that sounds familiar I didn't write that part down I didn't do that part but um yeah it's like a lengthy list like there's so many th- like throughout their mm-hmm. discussion discography it's not just the debut album but like Mm-mm. i giggled at this part and i shouldn't have because it's like a, plagiarism is a serious issue and like i'm sure if i was mm-hmm. on the end where someone plagiarized me and got like super famous for it i would not be laughing <sighs> but jimmy page said they took quote and i'm quoting here some liberties i must say as far as my end of it goes i always tried to bring some fresh something fresh to anything that i used Robert was supposed to change the lyrics, and he didn't always do that, which is what brought on most of the grief, end quote. And it's just <laughs> funny, like, oh, yeah, we were doing it, but we were, like, trying to change it up. But he didn't really do his part. Like, it's, like, kind of accepting some of the blame, but also, like, not well. <laughs> not doing a good yeah. job of being like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. Like, not repenting at all. He's just like, yeah, I, I tried to disguise it, though. And not the- Robert yeah. did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on, um, let's see, on Stairway to Heaven, it's like mm-hmm. that intro, the progression of the chords, something like people were like, oh, that's plagiarism on like the spirit. Spirit, um, yeah. Or this, yeah. And um, then this one guy was like, well, no, not really, because like Bach was using that, like that same yeah. like chord progression, the scales, like that, it's... If anything, it's just not plagiarism. It's just Led Zeppelin being basic. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I know like, we've talked about this before, but like it to some extent, I understand how there's going to be overlap. Like there's no yeah. way that it, everything can be 100% Because the foundation all the time. that they're working off of is like still yeah. like kind of the like the same that they used in classical music like yeah but wow. and even then it's like there's only so many combinations of notes you can use and mm-hmm. and obviously you're going to try to make something your own but also there's got to be a tricky line i mean i'm not saying that this is the excuse they used but i'm just saying in general because i know there's still lawsuits that always happen like currently is like how mm-hmm. can you separate like being inspired by you know drawing inspiration from you know this song and then other times like what if you don't even, this is what drives me crazy what if you don't even remember that that song was something else like even if you had heard it and loved it and yeah. then like later on you're like "Ooh, this is a catchy tune like that i just created and not remembering or realizing like oh it's because i've heard it before 
And yeah, I don't know. I just think that's like a tricky thing. It seems like some of theirs is definitely blatant, though. Like, and Jimmy Page has even admitted it. So I'm not trying to excuse them in that way. I'm just saying, like, in general, in music, that's got to be a slippery slope, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I could definitely see myself falling for that and just being like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that that was, you know, some other song that I heard one time and I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that probably a lot of it was them just not realizing that it had been done before. Or like, you know, they they do, they'll take it, but then they arrange it in a way that is so drastically different from the original mm-hmm. that it's hard to even tell that they're similar, the mm-hmm. similarities in them. There is um, one, um, the Since I've Been Loving You is by Moby mm-hmm. Grape. So one of Robert Plant's favorite bands. So this is where it's like, okay, that was, <laughs> yeah. that had to be intentional. And they have like mm-hmm. almost identical lyrics in some parts. Because the Moby Grape one says, working from 11 to 7 every night ought to make life a drag. Uh-huh. And then Led Zeppelin is working from 7 to 11 every night. It really uh-huh. makes life a drag. And it's like, okay, that, you can't excuse that. Like, that's the same, you know? It's like, yeah. I feel like you and I did a better job in high school of being like, oh, okay, I cannot copy this word for word. So let's try to, you know, <laughs> rearrange the words or like give them the same meaning. But it's like, I feel like we had done a better job than that example. <laughs> yeah. Um, that reminds me of the song on um, their debut album, How Many More Times. Mm. It was literally <laughs> like they just added, I think it was called like How Many Times. um but they just called it like how many more times yeah um I think that was the the thing so it wasn't like they were trying like too terribly hard to cover it Mm -hmm. um but I mean I guess if you're gonna do that do it big and they did yeah and they did it well I think some of the like um not blame what's the word I'm looking for like some of the crap they get is because many not all by any means but many of the songs or sounds that they you know use Mm -hmm. from someone else have to do with like much older like black artists and so it's like you know that whole like rock yeah a lot of it was blues are from based on blues and it's like not giving due credit to those people who are really the foundations of it and they're just kind of getting overlooked because it's like oh well this band did it and didn't give credit and now it looks like a lot of the song probably not every song that they've done that to but have now been are credited are credited yeah or listed as co-writers or whatever it is Mm so i don't know probably not by their own volition probably like someone (laughs) you know was like i mean keep doing this (laughs) yeah and unfortunately that's something that you saw across the whole genre of music you had elvis Mm -hmm. like (laughs) um and then this Last episode we did, Janis Joplin, she was heavily inspired by um, Bessie Smith. And, mm-hmm. th- you know, she would say that, but there wasn't a whole lot of credit given where credit was due. Mm-hmm. So I'm, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was very uh, prevalent, I guess you could say, in those those mm-hmm. times, the early, like, the 60s and 70s and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of give like a little background on each of the guys and then we can kind of dive deeper into the um their music if we will do you want to start with john paul jones um or john richard baldwin (laughs) yeah so yeah so he was born january 3rd 1946 both of his parents were in music and um his dad was like the pianist and he was the arranger for big bands in the forties and fifties, which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And his mom was also in the music business, but that's why he was sent away to boarding school because I guess they were too busy (laughs) with their, their jobs. Um, And so he, at the age of 18, he started doing session work at uh, Decca records and he played keyboards. He did musical arrangement and I thought this was really cool. He worked with, while he was doing the sessions, he worked with like the Rolling Stones, Donovan, Jeff Beck, Cat Stevens, Rod Stewart, Tom Jones, just like 
a variety of people mm-hmm. that he has his hand in that. And I was like, that's so cool. And that's where he yeah. met Jimmy Page because Jimmy Page was also big in that um, like studio sessions work. And I feel like so even that, had he not gone on to do Led Zeppelin, like that's already like super impressive to be like, I was part of, you know, these yes. huge legendary bands. And I mean, look yeah. at him now. He's like maybe bigger than most of those. So, yeah. And funny. I've always, I think I always like, like, you know, in a band, you're like, oh, that's my favorite member or whatever. Just like mm-hmm. they're a, a thing. But I always was drawn to John Paul Jones because he was like the quiet reserved one that kind of got overlooked. He was like underrated, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and and I think many people would agree, like the bass player is usually overlooked, even though they're like the foundation of the, the songs Mm -hmm. and the rhythm. It's the bass players usually do get overlooked. And with front men, like, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page like you can't I mean yeah deny (laughs) um so I I was interested to learn more about John Paul Jones and like who he was and how he like how incredibly talented he wasn't just like some random bass player that they found he was like this just genius like arranger composer Mm -hmm. and just like um he played, there was this instrument, I don't even know if it has a name, but it was a triple-necked acoustic instrument with a six-string, a 12-string, and a mandolin. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, that's so cool. Um, and he was always, like, a lot more, like I said, reserved. Um, and we'll we'll get into the kind of shenanigans that they got into, I guess you could call it, um, probably on the second part. Um, mm-hmm. But it kind of... Uh, you don't see his name as much uh, mm-hmm. in the in the press. And one of the things I do want to mention, and I'll probably mention this in the second part too, but something that I thought was so funny and so clever, so incredibly clever, because if you, if you look at like Led Zeppelin through the years, look at like Jimmy Page, look at Robert Plant, they are so identifiable. They mm-hmm. are just these big characters you know who they are. You know what they look like. They have the big hair. John Bonham, he's like this crazy good drummer, and he's got this look. Um, but then there's John Paul Jones. And like on the song Remains the Same, that mm-hmm. whole uh, live, I was like, man, these guys look so good. And who did John Paul Jones so dirty to make it? <laughs> his hair was atrocious like it was very 70s but it was not I mean I guess it was hip in that time but it was not hip in the way that you would think a rock band would be it was very like a very like he looked like a 50s housewife like with a a page boy haircut (laughs) um I was just like what the heck but then it made complete sense because if you look at him throughout the time of them in Zeppelin, he looks different in every like era, era. of Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. He's got different hair. He's got it quaffed. He's got it down. He's got it like he you he's like unidentifiable basically, mm-hmm. and that was all on purpose. It was all orchestrated by him because he had seen so like. Um, the Beatles, when they went out and, and like traveled all over the world, they life. couldn't go anywhere. They had to yeah. stay in their hotels. And he was like, I'll be damned if that happens to me. And he's like, so I changed my look constantly. And it's funny because even there's this thing of Robert Plant saying like, yeah, we would get out, we would walk like 10 feet and then, you know, we would get bombarded and there would go Jonesy, like keep walking down because nobody knows who he is. Yeah. And so he was just like living his best life being, you know, part of the scene. But then also when he wanted to disassociate from it, he could easily do that because he kept changing right. it up. And I was like, that is so clever. Mm-hmm. That is. <laughs> I feel like, like there's like modern artists who do a version of that where it's like it's mm-hmm. uh, a little more e- extreme where they have like like. The marshmallow, the DJ who has like that thing on his head. Oh yeah. Or um, like Sia, like Sia. How she always wears the wig, yeah. and it's like yeah. that's a I different version. That's more like, like. no, yeah. me neither. But 
that's like taking on the persona and mm-hmm. when she wants to be identified or when they want to be identified as their artist and that's right. what they use so that way mm-hmm. after the fact i mean i don't know how many people would have like you know gone crazy over marshmallow seeing him on the road but <laughs> i'm just using Is that, that as an example name? no but like that's the, what i'm saying like it's oh, like a stage presence yeah. like there's no way yeah, his real name yeah, is marshmallow i don't no, know what his real name is but like, no i meant like the the artist i don't know is oh the, yes the artist the artist's is name is yeah oh okay okay it's like not um, spelled yeah because i know like um <laughs> huh it's not spelled correctly oh. like a real marshmallow it just made me think of yeah. like the um dead mouse dead yeah. mouse guy isn't mm-hmm. that the skrillex guy or uh, no, no dead mouse isn't because skrillex is from from first to last mm-hmm. but uh right or dead mouse is, is different i, I didn't realize i thought maybe he put on a mouse head I don't know. Yeah, Dead Mouse does put on muscle. I'm like kind of, I think we're <laughs> like. I know, we're going. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Anyway, let's finish up with John Paul Jones. Um, yeah, sorry. So, yeah. Genius. Um, just really smart guy <laughs> uh, about that. So he was married to Maureen Hagardi Hagardi in 1967, and they have three daughters together. And he was ranked number one on Paste Magazine's 20 Most Underrated Bassists, which I would agree with that. Nice. Uh, So moving on, let's go to Bonzo, John Paul Jones. I mean, (laughs) John Paul Jones. (laughs) Bonzo, John Bonham. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm getting lost in my notes here. So John Henry Bonham, known as Bonzo, uh, born May 31st, 1948. He has the same birthday as my dad. Not same year, but May 31st. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he started playing drums at the age of five. And he played all the way up to, I mean, you know, he was in just like bands growing up. Band after band after band. And he played um, in a couple of different bands with Robert Plant. Uh, Crawling King Snakes was one of them. They also played in Band of Joy together. And that's why when Robert Plant was recruited to be the lead singer of Zeppelin, he suggested John Bonham as the drummer because mm-hmm. he was like, oh, I've played with this guy. He's really good. Mm-hmm. And um, he, John Bonham had received offers from like Joe Cocker and Chris Farlow. And then he decided that he liked Zeppelin's music better. And so he joined them. Um, and again, when they were still the New Yardbirds. Mm-hmm. He was unanimously voted over and over and over again as like the best drummer of all time. Like mm-hmm. even today, people mm-hmm. will say that no drummer has hit as hard or as powerful or has played the drums mm-hmm. like John Bonham. And when you watch him play, it's not yeah. like he's like thrashing his arms. It's all in his wrists, which is so crazy. Like the the power mm-hmm. that he had and playing and like when he does his solos like on Moby Dick like Mm -hmm. just crazy playing and his like arms and his legs were beating to a different beat I don't don't know know. how he did it I I don't know how people I mean obviously (laughs) instruments are just out of my realm but drumming seems like (laughs) crazy to me because I feel like singing and playing an instrument is one thing on its own like you have to you know it's probably hard to an extent. Yeah. But I feel like drumming is so hard to for me to watch because I'm like, oh my gosh, like their feet are, or one foot is doing this, the other one might be doing this, and then their hands, and then uh-huh. like just all the different <laughs> things they have to keep track of and do yeah. well, obviously. And I feel like they're like the they have to be like a human metronome too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they have to be, yeah. you know, steady with or you know what I'm saying. Yeah, because it could throw and the whole thing off. It's just crazy that people have that much talent and it's just like i don't know that's just yeah like no i know exactly what you're saying wow (laughs) impressive come on it's watching them play and watching them just like do like like i said when you watch him up close it's like his left hand is playing like his right hand is like his left foot is and they're all different and but they're so the way he hit was so hard and powerful it was so loud it's very impressive and i will say one of my favorite 
people who can also play drums is uh, Don Henley of the Eagles. And I remember oh. seeing that in concert and thinking like, God, it's so impressive that he can just like move around to like any state or any part of the stage, any instrument. And he's just like, uh-huh. you know, singing also like he's and singing. Sing. And yeah. yeah, he's singing Hotel California and doing the drums. And that's mm-hmm. just really cool to me. But anyway, just yeah, because that's that adds Don a Henley. whole nother level of craziness like you're gonna play the drums yeah just something that I don't possess but I very much appreciate (laughs) super cool so um yeah anything you want to add on John Bonham before we move on no I know he's one of those names I feel like kind of like maybe what you said about John Paul Jones not being as um recognizable like even visually Mm -hmm. I feel like the other three names are easier for me to connect with Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. Like John Bonham, yeah. Jimmy Page, and Robert Plant. Like even John Paul Jones. Yeah. I know he's from Led Zeppelin, but the other three are a little more automatic to me. So John Bonham, um, mm-hmm. didn't we, I think we talked about it during the Heart episode, right? Whenever yeah, they did the son. Stairway to Heaven cover mm-hmm. um, and his son was there. And I was like, oh, John Bonham. Like I know that that's his son. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they're covering Led Zeppelin, so it's cool in a different way, but... Right. Yeah, so that's one of the more identifiable names. Out of four, <laughs> he's one yeah. of them. So, Yeah, that's the other thing about Zeppelin is that they never had any kind of personnel change. Like, it was always them personnel, four yeah. from the beginning. <laughs> well, because, like, some of them you see, yeah. like, uh, White Snake. White Snake, oh, that's God. kind of what it was. It was, like, you there was, like, keep 40 different anyone members. else. Yeah. <laughs> that's but these guys, it was just the four of them. And so um, that was also kind of... Um, cool about Led Zeppelin Mm -hmm. so Robert Anthony Plant born August 20th oh he just had a birthday um Mm -hmm. by the time this airs it's gonna have been (laughs) long on yeah uh 1948 so he started singing uh around the age of 10 years old when he discovered Elvis Presley so he was very influenced by Elvis and I think he mentioned like he got to meet Elvis one time and he was just like this was like this like great moment in his his life um so he left home at the age of 17 he had a huge passion for the blues and like really and you can tell that in his music and stuff oh yeah um so when he started singing he and we just talked about that like his influences were hugely um blues and like um Rhythm and blues, R&B, just um, very, very um, dominant in his, even his demeanor on stage Mm -hmm. um, was very driven by that. And so he started playing in different bands. Um, Again, he played in Crawling Kingsnakes with John Bonham, Band of Joy. And then in 1968, that's when he was approached by Jimmy Page and Peter Grant to join the Yardbirds. And he auditioned. um, He had to audition to get the part. And I saw this interview with Jimmy that he was like, initially, I thought there had to be something wrong with this guy. Like his personality (laughs) sucked or something because he was such a talented singer, but he hadn't made it big yet. Mm -hmm. And so when they went and hung out, they got along really well and they ended up getting together to form Zeppelin but um that is something you would think like why hasn't this guy been scooped up yet yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah I thought that was funny he was like what okay what's the catch like, what's wrong with you it's just yeah <laughs> um so Plant got married to Maureen Wilson in 1968 all these guys got married really young I think mm-hmm. um John Bottom was only like 17 when he got married. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. He got married really young, and they had three children together. Um, and so he was like the, I guess you could say he was like the sex appeal of Zeppelin, right? I can like see Robert that. Robert Plant. Yeah. <laughs> like his his look, his demeanor on stage mm-hmm. is the way he sang the way he mimicked and kind of like mm-hmm. moaned into the music yeah. like and his the way that he would improvise from song to song and from uh and you can see it a lot on that um mm-hmm. that documentary I guess you could call it documentary the song remains the same mm-hmm. you can see it like how just his passion 
coming mm-hmm. out, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's really something to see on stage. And you would think like, I always thought it would be awkward to be a singer on stage without uh, an instrument to kind of like hide uh-huh. behind, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but he wears it so well. And like, yeah. he just commands the stage. He commands the audience and he plays off of the other guys uh, especially Jimmy Page, just with mm-hmm. such balance, mm-hmm. it's like, of course, he doesn't need anything else other than his voice. <laughs> I think that's really cool because I think about like performers that we've seen, and a lot of the performers that I've seen and you've seen do have a guitar or something that they're, you know, playing and singing with. But also, mm-hmm. like, there are people who hide behind, and like, I think of George Strait, where he's always got the guitar in front of him. And half the time his arms are down behind the guitar or like he's got his hand on the neck, but not really doing anything. It's kind of like a safety blanket. Yeah, it is. Because, I mean, he's not moving really. He's just maybe up there like tapping along with the beat or, you know, there's not much he's doing. I mean, he's an excellent performer, but he doesn't have that same, doesn't carry himself the same way, even though he has a wonderful voice and all that. And then I think of like other people who do have that stage presence, like Robert Plant, without the instrument. But then I think we might have talked about this in another episode where it's like just because they are that way on stage does not mean that confidence or bravado comes off in real life. Like once they're off and done performing, it's like, oh, they're just going to walk around like, you know, an everyday person and doesn't mean that they are like full of confidence and all that. Like, you know, what's that was Janis Joplin. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just interesting to me to think of. There's some people who embody it throughout their whole life, like in their personal life Mm -hmm. and also on the stage there's some people who only have it for the stage and then there's some people who are like i got a good voice and that's what i'm going to go with and i can't really you know do the whole like running around the stage or like swaying stage presence is yeah and i just think it's interesting that of course there's like more than one kind of performer but that there's different ways you can succeed even within that but yeah so yeah he 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 succeeded yeah (laughs) yeah uh, okay, so that brings us to Jimmy Page, uh, born January 9th, 1944. So all these guys are relatively the same age, um, within like a six-year difference. Mm-hmm. He started playing guitar around like 11 years old, which seemed kind of late, because I thought <laughs> like for somebody to, like, to be that yeah. good, yeah. they would have started like in the womb, you know? Yeah, um, sure. He was also heavily influenced by Elvis Presley and by guitarists such as Scotty Moore and James Burton. He left school at the age of 15 to pursue music, um, which again is just crazy. (laughs) Cause it's like, you've only been playing for four years and you're gonna leave school. (laughs) And, but I I mean- when you know, you know. It worked out. (laughs) For Jimmy Page. Yeah. (laughs) So it was around 1963, he became like a full-time session guitarist and um, he were, he started playing the Yardbirds in 66, um, and then they called it quits in 68. So he wasn't with them Mm-mm. very long when that had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, <laughs> it's funny that he was the one to like continue it. Cause he's like, Hey guys, yeah. I'm going to join this band and then I'm going to take it and I'm going to make it into what we now know as Led Zeppelin. I mean, and it seems like he's he just, really good at identifying if something works, you run with it, like yes. as far as his guitar playing and then like the chemistry with those guys is being like, yeah, let's keep this going. Like, seems like yeah. he maybe had the eye for that. It's like, or this the is ear. a good thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That was, he was very much like the founding father of, along with Peter Grant, because Peter Grant had managed um, the Yardbirds and then he carried over to Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And so the yeah jimmy page his his vision like he is a visionary Mm -hmm. and his yeah his ability to put things together and bring it into place to make what we know as led zeppelin yeah it's like indescribable you can't how did how did you know how did you know that was gonna work uh We'll get in more into like Jimmy Page's like personal life and because I'm sure like when you think of like Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page, you're thinking of like the occult and like (laughs) Satanism and Aleister Crowley and all that good stuff we'll get into in the next episode in episode two. Stay tuned. Um, Yes, stay tuned. But as far as him as 
a musician. Plus a guitarist and band. Off the charts. Yeah. Just completely off the charts. And it's like, even to this day, people still recognize him because he's still out there playing. Mm-hmm. And people still recognize him as one of the greatest guitarists that's ever been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my rant. Sorry. <laughs> Don't say sorry. That's what this whole thing is. It's just us. I know it's all rambling. (laughs) Yeah, this is our our namesake. So we got to make it good. That's the word I use too is like our partial namesake when I'm I'm during my Lord of the Rings little excerpt that I wrote. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So this is a good time, I think, for us to wrap up episode one, part one of Led Zeppelin. We'll jump into part two on the next episode. So stay tuned. And Victoria, I believe you have a one-hit wonder for us. I do. So you know that I like to tie in where I can. And even when I can't, oh, I yeah. try to find the like biggest stretch that I can find to like, oh, and it <laughs> you, ties in. Yeah, for... you made a... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the one-hit wonder I chose, and I mentioned this earlier. I did a little bit of foreshadowing. So um, yeah, you made that reference. The Zeppelin name, meaning another form of balloon is where how they got from their yes the lead balloon to their name led zeppelin so i took that and ran with it and so my one hit wonder is 99 red balloons or in german 99 luft balloons and ah. um it is by a german band named nina and it was released in 1983 um or well kind of came about in 1983 and this is during the cold war time and so i don't know about you but this is another one of those where i sing it happily and don't pay much attention (laughs) yeah yeah so this is about um like balloons being let go as kind of like a political protest and it's just really interesting but it came about because the the guitarist of this band was at a rolling stones show and during the song can't get no satisfaction i guess there was a lot of people that would always release or like balloons would be released during that song And Mm -hmm. so he saw that and kind of just used his imagination, ran wild. And he was just thinking like, huh, I wonder if those balloons floated over because this was in Berlin, like floated over the wall to the Soviet side. Like what would, you know, the thoughts on that side be? And like, could it be potentially dangerous? Could it be mistaken as like enemy missiles or aircraft or anything like that? And so he kind of took it there and um, like wondered like would this start a war? Would this start issues? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, so in German, the tone of it is much more um, clear than the English translation because, you know, things are lost in translation. Right. But um, I guess it like really struck chord with a lot of people and I mean, it was a good song for the time, especially. And um, yeah, so some of the lyrics in English, I'm going to go with English, but it's, um, let's okay. see, floating. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even going to attempt because, yeah, no. It's like, uh, so. Y'all heard me on the uh, Scorpions Scorpion. episode. <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> I will not um, try German again. So, so verse one, 99 red balloons floating in the summer sky, panic bells, it's red alert, there's something here from somewhere else, the war machine springs to life, opens up one eager eye, focusing on the sky when 99 red balloons go by. And it's talking about, this is it, boy. like the next verse, this is it, boys, this is war, presidents on the line, and like talking about jet fighters and all this stuff. And I just, that all never, you know, no. stood out to me. I would just like get, you know, jumping every time like that. Oh, I say jumping because that band that I've referenced so many times, they would always close with this song. Oh, Skyrocket, so, yeah. Yeah, and it, it was so fun. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, and sometimes <gasps> they would have like red balloons and it was really cool. But um, it just never hit me like, oh, hmm, cute little war song, like potential war. <laughs> like <laughs> I did not go there. So uh, uh. that's my one hit wonder is just like, oh, wow who knew so that would be an interesting one for people to go and look at the lyrics and yeah absolutely as you're like happily singing along you're like oh this is about like yeah especially if you speak german you can read like the actual original lyrics and it probably hits a little bit harder probably yeah probably um (laughs) well i mean yeah yeah, so that's my well good one one wonder tie-in 
Thanks. Awesome. Well, everyone, we appreciate you listening and welcoming us back. We are happy to be back after our little hiatus, and we're ready to rock out with uh, season two. And please join us next week for our second part of Led Zeppelin, where we share even more information on the infamous band and all about their discography, their music, all the shenanigans that they got into and where they are now. And a lot of like the background for the songs, which I find to be the most interesting. Like, oh, did you know it was based on this or a metaphor for, you know, this or whatever. So I feel like that's the most interesting. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, tune in for part two. But all right. Well, until next time, rock out and ramble on. (laughs) 